Welcome to Buy, Grow, Sell, the podcast for entrepreneurs looking to acquire, grow, or exit a business, hosted by Simon Bedard. Hey there, it's Simon Bedard here. If you're brand new to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast, then welcome. It's great to have you on this journey. Since its launch, I've interviewed many entrepreneurs that have bought, grown, or sold a business. And in some cases, they've completed all three steps and started all over again. Our goal is to share the stories of business owners that have traveled at least part of this cycle so that we can learn from their experience. Whether it's the dizzying heights of success or the hard lessons learned through adversity, we get to the heart of what drives success and how to apply these lessons on your journey. So join us for the best insights, interviews, and inside information on how to buy, grow, and sell a business straight from the entrepreneurs who've lived and breathed it. Okay, folks, here's a little riddle for you. What does a tutoring business, health products, anti-aging cream, a jigsaw business, a global marketing agency, and a referral marketing consulting firm all have in common? The answer is Michael Griffiths, and he's our latest guest on the show. Michael is a serial entrepreneur through and through. After leaving his teaching job in 2009, he started a staggering seven businesses. Six of these he successfully exited before his latest calling, which is helping service providers build more referrals into their business, effectively maximizing the value of their company by making sure they've got a good, steady flow of revenue. A true marketing referral guru, and I'm so pleased to have him here today. This is Michael Griffith. G'day, Michael. Welcome to the show. Simon, absolute pleasure. Always good to, to see you and be able to be with you and talk to you. Yeah, mate, I appreciate you making the time and, uh, and coming on the show. It's, um, you know, it's, I, I've obviously uh, known you and seen you around a lot because we, we dance in a lot of the similar sort of circles and have done for a couple of years now. So I always really, um, really respect what you do out there and how you're helping business owners out there basically build better businesses and be better people. So, mate, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thank you. Michael, just for the audience, mate, Maybe maybe I can get you to kick off and just give a little bit of your background. I know you've got a really interesting journey. You've you've built a number of businesses along the way, and and you're obviously doing some pretty special stuff today. But maybe you can give everyone a little bit of background as to where it all started. Yeah, certainly. Uh, we'll keep it short because otherwise it's very long winded and it bores me. Also, <laughs> uh, so so let's go to forward teacher by trade. And what uh, primary school, high school math teacher, but really that was just simply to allow me to be a basketball coach because uh, you could have trainings in the morning and in the afternoon, and nine to three was uh, a pretty good, pretty good job. So elite level basketball coach, uh, coached at, at national league level, been to two Olympics as an assistant coach. Um, to, to the women's program, coached over in the US and at collegiate level. That's what I thought life would always be, is just simply coaching and uh, eventually I'd get a, a job in the NBA and we'd be done and we'd be all okay. 2009, different direction took place. I uh, got off at the University of Hawaii, head coaching job, but at the same time, a family member came down with cancer. Being the only person in the family, back we came to Australia. Give me three months of back in the teaching system, and I'm sick of these lazy teachers. Uh, give me my 30 kids, <laughs> leave me alone. 
that was perfect. Uh, admittedly, with the way teaching is today, I probably wouldn't last because black's black and white, white's white with me and all the paperwork and all of that, that's not me. So I, I'd probably be absolutely hating it if I was there. So it was perfect timing for me just to go, hey, off we go and do something else. I'd always sort of run mm. sports camps and holiday programs. So there was always this little side entrepreneur business going in me anyways. Uh, but what does a teacher do? Tutoring, tutoring company. So uh, that was the very first business yep. where we left teaching and we started a tutoring company. And we provided tutors to people's homes, which was quite unique back in sort of 2009. Um, it allowed people to, to the, the mums to be able to continue preparing dinner or looking after the other people rather than having to pack everyone into the car and turn up to a tutoring centre and sit there for an hour and so forth. So that was the first business, mm. uh, but we grew that to ooh, just under 500 families, Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, uh, had 180 tutors that would work for us every single week. And uh, along came a bigger company and said, oh, we'd like that. And I went, okay. And, and off I went. The, went the, to- the proverbial tap on the shoulder, eh? Yeah. And, and I think as we'll sort of see, um, and, and we'll dive a bit more into, the, it, it's – there was no real, oh, I'm getting in and I'm building this because here's my set number and then I get to sort of mm. retire for the rest of the life type of, type of conversation with myself. There was a gap. I was happy to fill the gap. And when I sort of got bored or someone else came along, I just went, oh, what's next type of thing? And I think as yeah. sort of entrepreneurs, business owners, we all have that in us of that next shiny thing or we just we need that next thing of growth internally within within Mm. us so we all sort of get to this moment but anyway uh tutoring business then we had a health product then we did mineral makeup and uh anti-aging cream which is both well ahead of their time versus what we know in today's world of antioxidants and uh, anti-aging and all the rest of it and then uh from there we had a jigsaw business the marketing agency was the was the big one. Uh, we had 12,500 clients around the globe, 800-odd full-time contractors that just worked for me. Um, so that was a real mm-hmm. big one. And, and when we sold that in 2013, uh, we niched down purely okay. into where we're at today. And um, this is the one that I, I, I say it now, but who knows? We probably won't ever sell it <laughs> just simply because I just have too much fun, um, and and it's really a great lifestyle. The impact we get to make and how we get to help. Uh, we might bring other people in along the way and and have sort of share revenue models or so forth. But uh, it's too much fun at the moment that I haven't even bothered going down that path <laughs> internally. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, well, that sounds uh, sounds like a great place to be. Um, so t- tell me a little bit more about the, the marketing business too. I mean, that, that sounds like a substantial business. Um, what, what was the kind of approach there? Yeah, were you helping other businesses, I presume? What sort of service was it? How did you help them? Yeah. So this is back or a decade ago. So social media was really only just becoming a thin. Again, you could get Google Pay Per Click for literally two cents a click. Facebook ads really didn't exist at that point in time. <laughs> Uh, you could run banner ads very cheaply, getting into getting into sort of publications and newspapers and on radio and 
I only had at that stage for probably 60% of, of the big radio stations, we'd be their ad spend. So it was very different to what it is today in that it was just so cheap to be able to advertise. Yeah. So again, the, the problem I saw was if you're a little person, if you're a little business, well, you didn't have five, 10, 20,000 to spend with big marketing agencies, which is what we were asking. And it was ridiculous for what they were, what they were doing or what they were providing. Mm. So on average, our average customer was like two grand a month. And what they could get for 2,000 a month was just through the roof. Mm. And therefore, uh, we just would outsource that and we'd bring in teams of people. And if it was about building websites, well, the Russians are absolutely amazing at it and we can pay them a buck or two. Mm. Or if it's about doing admin work, unbelievable. We had a whole team of, of people in the Philippines or, or India who could do that. So in, in essence, we had all these great uh, teams of people that others would look after because I'm not a technical person whatsoever. And I would just be our relationship manager. I just look after our, our accounts and I'd look after our clients and I would just keep all the relationships and all the other stuff people would do and get that done um, because I had no interest in building a website and had no interest in doing clicking buttons on making Google show up. And that's what we did. And because we were so affordable, it wasn't difficult to grow. Yep. So that was oh, nearly three years of, of building that. And mm-hmm. uh, we built that a lot through the stuff that we talk about so much today. And really, it was partnerships. We, we, we didn't really spend anything on paid advertising ourselves, even though mm. that's what we were doing for people and getting people great exposure. Uh, we, we would team up with other organizations and in every one of these businesses, there's a pivotal moment which just took us to a whole different level. And in the marketing business, it was, um, I was at a pub um, one Friday afternoon and I was talking to a guy up at the bar and and he happened to be the business uh, development manager for, for Amex in sort of Oceania, Asia. And we were talking, and that was really interesting. And and by the end, he went, look, do you think you could run a, a webinar on social media for our, our Amex business card holders? I think they'd, they'd really like to know that. And obviously, they're all sort of business owners, and uh, that would be really good. Went, yeah, I run webinars, not a problem at all. Um, so I said, yeah, of course. So we put on a webinar. 7,400 people showed up. I'm used to wow. running webinars for, like, 10, 15, 20 people. So that's what I had in my mind. Yeah, 20, 30 people will show up and this will be unbelievable. Uh, 7,400 odd showed up. And over the next sort of 60 days, we picked up nearly 4,000 clients. Wow. Um, we had a whole different problem of being able to service it. But that's my mindset and that's my thinking also. Like, go yeah. create that problem and then freaking solve it. Like, don't sit there going, oh, but what if this? Oh, what if this? Oh, what if this? Oh, maybe I can't do that so quickly. But I just go, worst case, you'll work it out or you'll find someone else who help you work it out. And that's mm. very much my way of thinking. Um, yeah. So, so that's how we grew that so fast. 
Uh, and then there became the next moment, and I remember this so clear because it was literally a month before Sophie, my little one, was born, and, and she's nearly eight and a half now. Um, so I know exactly the dates where I had like three three calls in a space of about 15 minutes from people going, why aren't I on the front page of Google? And I'm like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to call Google and ask them? And, <laughs> and that was the moment where I realised that we don't have control over other people's platforms or what other people do, and therefore this is always going to be a problem do you want to stay in this or not? Yes. And, and that was the moment. And I went, we don't even do this ourselves. Mm. We've got to teach people how to be able to grow their business the way we do. We've always grown it through partnerships. We've always grown it through referrals. We've always grown it through great client retention. We've always mm. grown it by turning our networks into walking, talking, ranting, raving billboards for us. And that's where we just went, hold on, your time is up. It's time mm. to move on. Uh, and where the previous businesses were, were so short and someone came along and sort of gave us a little tap and went, oh, can we have this? This was the gut feel of you're not happy. You, it, there's mm. no point continuing because you're just definitely not happy. And it's funny how life gives you lessons um, in that seven weeks after, after Safe was born, uh, wife had a stroke. Um, they put it down to the, to the birth. But I remember holding Sophie and going on like two days after and we're at North Shore Stroke Unit going, for the first time in my life, I actually don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah. And, and that was a real wake-up call of... Life is too short. You can't be doing things that cause you stress or worry or angst or unhappiness because mm. there's just no point. And unfortunately, I see this just far too often and, and I get it. And, and I'm, I'm really big over the last couple of years into neuroscience and psychology and primal attraction and how our brain works. and. And we're hardwired for survival. It's, mm. We don't have a choice. So I get why people do what they do and they work so hard and they just one day I'm going to get this big payday or one day it's all going to pay off for me. But they're miserable and their relationship mm. falls apart and their, their time with their kids fall apart and their family falls apart and all because of what? Because of this one day it's all going to be better for me. And... Mm. That was just, it's such a huge lesson that I just knew there was time to, to move and, and go. So, yeah, that's the. Mate, thank you for sharing that. It's, um, it's obviously some pretty, pretty personal stuff there, but it's, it, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's fascinating how we, we all have pivotal moments in our life that make us rethink our frameworks, right, our mental frameworks, the way we engage every day. And, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, 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 and, I, and I think, yeah, this focus on the destination rather than the journey is certainly a recipe for disaster. So, um, so, so tell me a bit about and, – and, and actually, before I get into it, I want to ask you a little bit more about 
how you went about selling that business and just kind of what that looked like in general and the process. But um, this, I, I just want to take a step back because this idea of the world has changed and now our business is so dependent on other people, I mean, or other businesses. Um, I've had that moment. I've had that moment in other businesses of my own where we said we, we're, try, we're running so hard and then this other organisation can make one decision and our entire business model keeps getting disrupted. Yeah. Now, I, I just wonder how many other people who will be listening to this have been through experiences like that. So I, 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 I don't know if you've got any advice around it, but I just find that a really, really pivotal issue when it comes to building profitable businesses and value-driven businesses and, and ultimately building value for one day if you do exit. Yeah. And, and it's, I suppose it's about trying to minimise as much risk as possible. Mm. But at the same time, you, you've sort of got to go am I in the hands of somebody else? And if you are, you really don't have a business. Like yeah. I, I look at just the, the thing that happened the other week where, where Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp went down for like half a day. Mm. And that destroyed so many people's livelihoods just for that 12 hours because they yeah. couldn't run the ads or they couldn't get on and prospect or they couldn't get on and, and do the things that where they rely on those platforms. Mm. Unfortunately, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp at that particular time, but Facebook, Instagram, they don't care. So mm. if you're using that as your, as your way of your creating business, it's only a matter of time before you get shot in the foot because yeah. they don't care about you. And if you're running Google pay-per-click and that's your business, fantastic. But... Mm. They don't care about whether it's going to cost your clients now $20 a lead where you, before you were only getting it for three or four. You have to go and deal with that backlash and, and that client going, why am I paying so much more? Um, mm. You can try to explain, well, we actually don't have control. It's Google who's doing this. They don't care. It's you mm. that has a relationship with the client. It's you that's supposed to be delivering the results for the client. And if you're doing that through a third party or through something else, that's your problem. So, yeah. so I think it's a matter of really just looking at how much control do we have? And, mm. and sometimes that means building your own infrastructure, putting things on, like if you've, if you've got, for example, like a, a learning portal, putting it, creating your own where you've got control of it rather than using someone else's where if their business goes bust, yours is gone. Or if they've mm. sold it to a new person, yours is gone. Uh, let's just take, for example, uh, let's just take something fairly recently. Oh, it's, it's actually not that recent, but we'll take Suncorp Bank that got uh, bought out by the next person. So therefore, they've got all of these policies. They've got all of these accounts. They've got all of these things. And obviously, that's why you buy businesses to be able to have instant uh, clients as such. But... Yep. For the previous client, a whole bunch of people will go, oh, I didn't even notice that that thing happened or that there was a change. But then others will go, well, hold on, I did that or I was with them because my relationship with this person, how's that going to be affected? So there's a whole mm. bunch of, of things. But I think to answer that, it's just like minimize the risk and have as much control as possible over how your business delivers because um, if you're in the hands of someone else's algorithm platform widget, 
It's yeah. only a matter of time. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's it's fascinating talking about this concept of risk because I, I know certainly on this show and 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 in our business exit advisory group, you know, we talk a lot about how risk impacts value and and perceptions of value. Um, one of the key risks we often talk about is this idea of concentration risk, right? Having too much of your business being too dependent on either one supplier or one customer or even even one employee potentially, right? If there's too much IP in that person's head. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's what we're talking about here, right? Is just being overly dependent on that one particular supplier who just happens to be huge and perhaps a bit fickle at times in terms of how they make decisions. Um, so applying this to you know, your clients um, and, and I guess just your views broadly on marketing. I know you deal with a lot of professional services companies, as do we. So uh, how do you apply this con- concept of concentration risk to marketing in a business? Um, you know, clearly not wanting to be too too dependent on a Google or a Facebook. So is there an approach to marketing that you recommend for professional service companies? When you talk to, to most professional service businesses and you get them to actually look at where did your clients, where did your clients come from? There's only one answer. And it's the answer every single time. Uh, from referrals, from word of mouth. And yet yep. they go and try all these other things just because it's the shiny thing and that's what <laughs> should happen and that's what someone told them to do. But when you actually go, they just have a look. Have a look at the last 10 clients. Where do they come from? Pretty much 99% of the time, it's always exactly the same answer. So I'm just like, why aren't you just spending more time doing that then? Why aren't you spending more time building great relationships with your current clients so they become walking, talking billboards for you? Why aren't you just putting things in place and teaming up with other types of businesses that have your clients where you can add value to each other and get exposure from each other. Like they're, they're simple things, yeah. but we just don't tend to think about mm. it because we, we're hearing the noise of, oh, you've got to be on Facebook or you've got to be on LinkedIn or you've got to be sending messages to people or hey, put on webinars or do conferences. And, and that's all fine. But in essence, mm. they're only channels. And the channel is like one-tenth mm. of the equation. What's most important, yeah. and it's stuff that, that we sort of draw out, that like to me there's three things. The channel doesn't matter. The three things are how are you creating or doing heartfelt actions? It's not about value adding. That's, that's a good level, but that's the next level above is what we call heartfelt actions. Being connection-focused is lovely, but the next level above that is how are you fostering brain chemicals and creating amazing experiences in your business? Mm. And then you've got uh, having, yeah, let's have great streamlined focus, streamlined systems in place. But the next level above that is mm. how am I creating deep emotional bonds? So put those three things mm-hmm. together. If you've got deep emotional bonds, mm. if you're doing heartfelt actions, and you are fostering brain chemicals and creating amazing experiences, grow a business ain't real hard. Yeah, yeah. Pe- people are going to want to work with you, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Further, sorry, Simon, mm. I'll take this further yeah, and not where we were going to go, but you've got me started. It's, I can nerd out <laughs> on this for fucking years. 
Um, so, like, this is this is vital. Like, we we've actually coined this on purpose. This, if we were to look at the brain, let's just go looking down at the brain. There's two two main parts. We've got the cortex part of the brain, which is rational, logical, analytical. So for most business owners, and in particular service providers, they live in that part of the brain. It understands language. So you're listening to this and you are saying something to yourself and you are rationalizing whatever you're saying. You are in the cortex part of the brain. The limbic part of the brain makes all decisions, Mm -hmm. controls all human behavior, only understands feeling and does not comprehend language. So you're listening to this right now and you might be going, here's a load of crap. Or you might be going, this is unbelievable. Well, they're the words that you've now rationalized in your cortex brain. But before you could get to those words, you had this emotion, you had this feeling. And that is actually what controls all human behavior. Mm -hmm. So when you think about the three things we just spoke about, create deep emotional bonds, do heartfelt actions, foster brain chemicals and create amazing experiences, in essence, what we are doing is getting into the limbic brain. Hmm. Fastest way to grow your business. Yeah. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I think, you know, you're, you're forming the right sort of connections with people and, and you know, I know Simon Sinek's a very big uh, advocate of this approach as well, but it's, you know... <laughs> When, when things don't work, it's because it probably didn't feel right. You know, when when you do business with other people, it's because it, it does feel right. You know, and then of course, as you say, I mean, we, we rationalise things with with logic, which which is you know what fundamentally we do as humans. So um, I think that makes a huge amount of sense. And and I think coming back to this idea of concentration risk, well, if you've got lots and you know. Uh, one might argue, well, you're putting all your attention into one area of just referrals, but but actually those referrals are lots and lots and lots of different people. So in fact, it's it might be one approach, but it's very very diversified, right? Uh, yeah, well, because you got referrals from well, you and I can be referral partners, or I've got referrals mm. from our clients. We've got associations, we've got uh, other other groups. There's literally tens of thousands yeah. that are all individual. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, I want to come back to one little point because you talked about the channels and platforms and stuff like that. Like, clearly it is important to do things, you know, have your LinkedIn, have your website, do all this sort of stuff. And I, I, I imagine, you know, that sort of stuff is about building presence and credibility. For when you are engaging with referral partners, your referral partners are still going to look at you and go, well, what kind of business do you run and how do we fit together? And, you know, you've got to have assets and things like that that you can utilise in those engagements, I presume. Yeah, well, and I suppose you put it down to it gives them more trust. And therefore, if they trust you, we create this, the brain chemical oxytocin, where for some reason they don't know why, but they feel closer to you and there is more of a bond between you. And, and that's what those things do. So if they, if they end up going, ah, let me go check this Simon person out. He sounds like a pretty good person. I've got a good feel about it. And then they go and do that and they see you got a couple of recommendations and you got some good content up there. Then again, they don't know why, but the feeling just continues to be reconfirmed that, huh, 
man, I'm actually liking this guy. And, and that's mm, honestly, mm. that's all they can. That's all they can say to themselves. They don't know why, but that's why because of the brain chemicals that are being created of bond and trust um, and influence. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we start ticking off all those logical things. Oh, he's got a great website. Oh, they've got a great LinkedIn profile. Oh, I see they've done business with those things. Uh, it felt right, but now I'm ju- justifying the right. way I feel by looking at all these external factors. Yeah. Um, we, we've, we've definitely um, jumped into some of the guts of what you're doing today, which I'm loving. I, I, I want to drag you back just for a yeah. second and, and, uh, and close out the, the, the marketing business because I, I feel like that was a, a, a clearly a really pivotal point in your life. And um, and I think people who are listening to this show might either be in a similar, similar situation to that or, or thinking about how they might exit their business eventually. And so I think, I think there's a great amount of uncertainty around these sort of things. And, and certainly, you know, we want to demystify some of it on this show. After you had that kind of moment, you realised you wanted to do something different, you wanted to move on. What, what happened there? Like, how did you go about selling your business? Yeah. I am a huge believer. I learned this back in 2009 when we started property investing. Get around people who know the answer unless you want to spend weeks and weeks or years and years learning it yourself. And I don't need to learn everything. I just need to know how to find someone who can give me the solution I'm looking for. Um, So it was as simple as that. I, I went through some trusted sources. And we, we found somebody who seemed very good and they turned out to be very good. In, in the end, it was a Canadian group that came along and, and bought it. Uh, I honestly stayed out of the majority of it. It's just like we use buyers agents because we know that they've, they're the expert at that. I don't need to become the expert at it. We use mortgage brokers because I don't want to speak to four different banks to find the best loan go and get it done for us. Like To me, that has to be the thinking because you can't spend your time, effort, energy mm. trying to learn about everything. There's no point. Like Life's, again, too short for you to be able to do that. So for the sake of, of whatever the fee mm. is, it's worth it 100 times over because in the end, you get the most and only mm. thing that matters in your life. Yeah. Time. Yeah. I uh, make great words of wisdom. I and I obviously totally agree with you. I think we we are hire lots of professionals. We use lots of services out there. You know, we're all good at something. We all have a job and a business and you should be focusing your time on what you're good at because you get efficiencies out of it, right? It's um you know this this idea of um you know having to throw yourself wholeheartedly into every single you know decision or, or, or skill set to make a decision is just absurd. So, mate, thank you for that. That's that's brilliant. How long, you know, we're going back a little bit here, so I'll give you a little bit of uh, leeway here. I won't ask you dates and stuff, but just broadly, from the moment you kind of said, had that mental moment of I, it's time to get out and, I'm, you know, maybe sell a business, et cetera, how long did it take to, to kind of get out there and meet the people and find buyers and do a deal? Uh. It was less than three months. Oh, really? Wow, that's super fast. Yeah, yeah, and that's my personality type. When I make a decision, and the decision's made, and it's just like yep. I've already checked out. It's just like move on, get it done. Yeah. Um, yep. So, 
yeah, internally, I couldn't have been any more miserable, and that was enough just to. Uh, and I suppose they, as you as you know, and as people say, when the pain point is big enough, mm. the faster you'll move for change. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm interested too, like how you perhaps came up with the number with the buyer. Um, we've had we've had um, other guests on this show that have had marketing businesses and professional service companies and stuff like that. And we often talk about the methodology. Um, we don't have to get into the amount and you know the final sale amount and stuff like that. But it's. It, I'm curious as to it was there a methodology that was used? Did the buyer say to you, you know, did they make an offer and say, well, we buy businesses and we use this formula or that formula or this approach, anything like that? No, we we sort of went with 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 I suppose our seller, our our buyer's agent as such, or our our, our person, and yep. so we knew what we were bringing yep. in monthly. It was a subscription based business, so it was. It was constant, ongoing, monthly recurring revenue. There was no reason why any of them would have left. There was no reason why they needed to get rid of any of the contract. Everything was like so systemized into the hill that they didn't need to really do anything other than just walk in and keep it going. So through all of that, I, I just simply went, okay. And again, because of, it wasn't about trying to get the best dollar. I, I knew I could make money whenever I felt like making money. So, and in essence, business is always to me just the game to be able to buy more property and that's where we have all of our fun. So it, it doesn't, it didn't really matter to me whether it was the best price or yeah, actually that's the right value or not. I just simply went, okay, where monthly recurring revenue is this. Uh, so the yearly recurring revenue is this. Let's multiply it by four, throw that out there, and they're either going to like it or they're not going to like it. And they did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. And obviously that was at a level, that's, and hence the transaction moved fairly quickly. No, that's great. And, and look, and I think there'd be a lot of people listening to this who'd say I'd take four times my revenue any day yeah. of the week and twice on Sunday. So, so it sounds like you got a, a good deal anyway. So, so well done. <laughs> Mate, um, Talk to me a little bit about your current business today. Like, you know, obviously you've given us a little bit of insight into your approach and, and you know, what's important, your, th- your three core things you focus on. But, t- but tell us a bit more about your business and who you service. Yeah, so we, we sort of have really niched down into that professional service orientated business, that consultant, that, that coach. And mm-hmm. we, we've combined, so it's called Partnership Club, uh, and really we've, we've combined Consulting, coaching, kick up the backside, masterminding, and brought them all together into this amazing tribe. So, sure, we teach around uh, mm-hmm. how to be able to, I suppose, wow your business, how to create wow moments in your business, uh, how to be able to build your business through mm-hmm. referrals, networks, partnerships, how to be able to uh, pretty much just be more remarkable so you can be more profitable which therefore allows you to be more impactful. So uh, people are very impact-driven mm. businesses. They, they want to help contribute and change society for the better. And that's simply because that's my belief. Uh, I mm-hmm. believe that it is entrepreneurs, it is consultants, it is those sorts of people. It's not our governments that help change society. Uh, the, the number of charities, the number of sporting clubs, the number of schools, the number of people that we employ, the number of of just little things that create this ripple effect 
throughout the world to make the world better mm. and anything that I can do that makes them more profitable, makes them win their day, makes them just create more wealth than ever before so then they can contribute and change society for the better, that's what lights me up. So that's what Partnership Club mm. is all about. It's about helping people become more remarkable and more profitable and therefore more impactful. Uh, lots of just amazing high-level thinkers that challenge one another, that push one another, that inspire one another, and that's the lovely tribe that we get to lead. Yeah, that sounds awesome, mate. It, um, and, and obviously we live in a virtual world these days, so I imagine you've got clients all over the place, but do, 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 you, do you work with clients in different countries and all the rest of it? What, what, what's that look like? Yeah, our major places, uh, sort of North America, your, your Canada, US, your Australia, New Zealand, they're, they're sort of our main four. UK time zones, unfortunately, just don't tend to be all that friendly to us, but we've got a number of, of organisations where, where we consult into, into there. So, yeah, the world really is nice and small these days, more so than ever. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's lovely to be able to have that global footprint. Yeah, no, fantastic. And I, yeah, it's um, no doubt it'd be nice to get out there and start travelling again when things open up. So, <laughs> 100%. Um, Michael, how, um, how, are you happy for people to reach out and contact you and, and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, just uh, michaelgriffiths.com.au is probably the best place. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of our socials are up there. Uh, we put up stuff every single day, sometimes twice a day. In essence, this isn't about going, oh, I can, I need to be part of that. No, we've got a really simple mission, inspire one million consultants every year to play a bigger game in their business, to be more profitable than ever before, to win like never before so they can contribute and change society. So every day we're putting stuff up to be able to just help businesses do that. So, yeah, michaelgriffiths.com.au and you'll find stuff from there. Awesome, awesome. We'll include that in our uh, in our show notes um, and we'll put up some links to your LinkedIn and, and things like that as well. Um, you know, for those listening, if, if, you know, Michael's approach sounds inspiring and I certainly find it inspiring myself, it's, it's a, it's a great approach to doing good business with good people. So, you know, as they always say, your vibe attracts your tribe and, uh, and Michael, you know, it's been a pleasure chatting to you, mate. And, um, and hearing a little bit more, I appreciate you sharing your insights and, um, yeah, mate, I, I wish you the very best for the next year. Absolute pleasure, Simon. Thank you very much and good luck to everyone out there. The ultimate freedom is to own a company that is valuable, scalable, and saleable. Find out how you score on the eight factors that drive company value by completing the Value Builder questionnaire. Upon completion, we will send through your business scorecard so you can see how to maximize the value of your company. Just go to exitadvisory.com.au forward slash scorecard. The Buy, Grow, Sell podcast is brought to you by Exit Advisory Group a boutique M&A firm that helps business owners maximize company value and exit at the top of their game. To learn more about Exit Advisory Group, you can go to exitadvisory.com.au. And if you like what you've just heard, you can subscribe at buygrowsell.com to get a new episode delivered to your inbox each week. Thank you for listening to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast with Simon Bedard. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit buygrowsell.com 
forward slash episodes. Simon is the founder and CEO of Exit Advisory Group, and you can follow him on LinkedIn. 